just stuck it out and slowly things started to happen, doors started to open and here we are, yeah. It's, it's huge, that judgment, mm. that shame. And, and the crazy thing is it's also an opportunity for connection. G'day, Joel Selwood back here with another episode of Fearlessly Australian. This episode is about how we handle the fear and feelings around rejection. I've had hecklers say, I've had cow thrown at me. Right. At a gig, you know. Like I, literal cow yeah, little <laughs> Off the back of a truck. What are you talking yeah. <laughs> But it comes in many forms. It could be feeling rejected by members of the opposite sex. People around you, whatever form it takes, rejection is never easy. But today we're going to look at how we can handle it in a positive way. There's probably a bit of anger because I've never been told it mm. before, but uh, you're going to sit out. Joining me for a chat about it is comedian Daniel Connell. Could you please make him feel very loved? It's Daniel Connell! Hello, thanks everybody. I hope you're all well. Here too is young men's facilitator, Jara Volpe, who works with the awesome organisation called The Man Cave. I was 15 years old and I, I'm Italian, as now you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we were romantics and whatnot, and I was like crazy about this girl. If you like what you hear, like and subscribe to the channel and keep across all the great content. Well, welcome back to Fearlessly Australian. Um, Jara, back again from the Man Cave. Yep. And Daniel, welcome to the couch, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. It's great to be here. Um, yeah. Nervous? No. Feeling good? Feeling a little bit fearless. No, no. <laughs> there's a little bit of fear there. Can you please let us know a bit more about you? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm a stand-up comedian and uh, I have been for... Coming up on 14 years, uh, I have been full-time for about six or seven. Um, I was originally from Batemans Bay, New South Wales, a little country town on the coast, uh, and I've been in Melbourne for about 13 years. Moved here for stand-up. Just yeah. um, was living in Canberra at the time, just had about three grand to my name and packed my car up and just drove down. Knew one person in Melbourne and just moved in with him and just, I'm still here, yeah. Met my wife here and got a son now and yeah, yeah lo love it. There must be some fear in that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Three grand, the move. Yeah, it was. I was one at a person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There was a. It was just a time in my life where I was, I wasn't really doing anything. I wasn't really going anywhere. I'd had a sort of. I'd had a bad run with gambling in my early twenties, uh, that I'd gotten out of, and um, I'd start. I just started stand up comedy, and that was kind of this catalyst of finally having something in my life that I was interested in, and. Um, I knew, my mate down here, he's, he was working for defence. He said, "Why don't you just, I've got a spare bedroom, move down. There's a great scene here. So I just, yeah, I just went for it. And it, it was in my head, I probably thought I was only going to come for six months, to be honest. I, it didn't seem like a long-term thing. Um, but yeah, I just went for it and uh, got into the comedy scene. And it was a long, the first year was a long slog. Yep. Um, and definitely homesick for multiple times during that period. But um, yeah, just stuck it out and th slowly things started to happen, doors started to open and here we are, yeah. Is there one thing that you can point out that helped you overcome that period, like of being a bit tough? I would probably say my father and mother, I would say. They were interested, like they, they, I told them I was doing stand-up and they were just, what? They were quite gobsmacked by that. And then yeah. when I said I was moving to Melbourne, they were like, well, you might as well go for it. You're not going to, Canberra is not going to give you what you need. So probably through that period, just talking to them, they were always very encouraging. I'm just curious, you've loaded the car, you've taken off to Melbourne, one person you know, mm. to go chase your comedic career. 
And, yep. and we're here to talk about rejection today and whatnot. What was it like that first night on the mic? Yeah. Oh, the, like I, I, had a, I had a couple of gigs in Canberra before I came down uh, and I'd always wanted to do it. But I'll never forget my first gig. It was a, a Green Faces competition where I, th I thought when I entered that it was people who were doing a gig for the first time. But I got there and I was the only person that hadn't done a gig before. Everybody else had done six, 12 months of stand-up. And they were like, you have never done a gig. I was like, I thought this was Green Faces. You do your first go. And it was 500 people at an Irish club. Really? Drunk. And I was last out of the eight. I went last. Oh, so that's tough. Yeah, I didn't want anyone to know. Yeah. And I couldn't even twist the door to get onto the stage. I was that nervous. And I, right. and I got to the mic and I realised I'd never taken a mic out of a stand. Yep. In my life, I'd never had to do that for any reason. And I'm like, how does this even work? And, yeah. um, but one joke out in my five-minute set got a really good laugh. Yep. Uh, and we, that was kind of the, gave me that buzz. And, yeah, that kind of first line down. Yeah. Do, do you remember that joke? Is, is there a it was to... It was quite filthy, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I, I did it as part of a show a couple of years ago just to say how filthy is this first joke. And people were like, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> um <laughs> So I don't do it too much anymore. But, but back Man. then in, in 2010, 2009, it was a bit more acceptable. No, acceptable. Yeah, we might leave it off this episode. We might move on to personal moments though. Um, you've led us in that way. Yeah. Um, and it's about sharing a time that you've been rejected. And uh, for me, it was uh, being dropped for the first time. I uh, still Ooh. remember it like that, round uh, four, 2007, mm -hmm. Cats, Hawthorne, down at uh, Tasmania. So, and for me, a kid loving footy growing up and being an elite sort of junior, um, never being told that I'm not good enough is not something that I've heard before. Right. So um, it was my first bit of rejection. And how did I handle it? Um, probably not that well at the mm -hmm. time. Um, was but I was, I was a kid. first year, was it? Yeah, first yeah. year. So I was 18. And when you say you didn't handle it well, what went down? What were the feelings? How did oh, you process it? What was the vibe? Uh, probably got, there was probably a bit of anger. Mm. Um, and why I say that is just because I've never been told it mm. before that uh, you're going to sit out. And, and to be honest, it was probably more rested. But it's never easy to take there and then on the spot, mm. you know. No. Can you remember your first rejection? Mate, very similar to yours, but at a much lower level. Um, I, I was about 19, yep. similar age, and I was playing cricket in my local, in Boatman's Bay, and I was in the seniors team and I was going quite well, and I got dropped to the seconds. But it's, it's not so, it wasn't so much the being dropped to reserve grade. It, what was more humiliating and where I felt the rejection was, it was in front, the captain came to me at training in front of all my mates. Like yep. there was 20 of us there, I knew everyone, both teams, and he said it in front of everyone, and I just felt, uh, I didn't know how to take it. I went, I sooked, I went and grabbed my bag, kit See bag, put it in my car and I drove and I went to the golf club and had like 10 bourbon and Cokes. Yeah. Yeah, it, and, you know, I look back on that now, I was like, that is, you know, I, I regret reacting that way. How would you um, react differently now looking back as a man? Well, I just would, I just, I don't think I would spit the dummy. I just don't think that's the way to, I think I would ask questions and mm. find out why it's happening rather than just storming off. Um, I, I'd like to think that um, I wouldn't, if I saw someone I knew in that situation, I wouldn't, I would go and like put my hand on their shoulder as well. It's, it's huge you say that, you know, like rejection, well, there's an emotion under that, yeah? Mm. Rejection normally equals shame. And shame is an interesting emotion, but as you said, it's like, I'm alone. 
I'm bad, mm. I wasn't good enough. It's this full ownership. And the way to decipher between shame and something like guilt, guilt is I've done something wrong, shame is I am something wrong. Right. Yeah. And so when you talk about like segregating yourself and cutting off and going and drinking just to mm. close down and numb the thoughts, yeah. and all the bullshit that our mind speaks, mm. but that's actually the complete reverse thing to do in that moment. Mm. Shame is such a difficult emotion. But the way to deal with it is to understand that shame only grows its power in the unspoken. And so it's incredible what you said just then that you would have asked the question or reached out to somebody because mm. when you speak it, normally all three of us have experienced the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, it wasn't even the, it wasn't the, I didn't care I was playing twos. It was just, it was more that it happened in front of everyone. Of and, course. You know, who you think are your mates and everything. It just was, I never had that feeling where everyone there was, well, you, you make it feel like everyone there's against you and you storm off. Yeah, with the of and course. Yeah, it's probably a, a moment of my past that I, I you know, you, you, little things that you wish you could take back. Um, mm. Aside, you, you don't really want people to see because I was putting on this, that I was this calm, laid back person, but yeah. it clearly rattled me. And if I saw someone get told and they were clearly feeling isolated and humiliated, I'd definitely go over and, you know, say, don't worry about it, just come yeah. and, yeah. Yeah, it's it's huge that judgment, mm. that shame, and, and and the role that it plays. And, and the crazy thing is, it's also an opportunity for connection. You know, I, that's what I always let anyone know. It's like when I'm feeling these emotions, I guarantee somebody else has felt it. Yeah. And the faster I can get out of the way of just kind of closing in, thinking I'm the only one to be dropped or mm. kicked out of a team and whatnot. Yeah. And, and into a conversation with someone that I trust. Not everyone. You know, someone that's earned the right to hear my story. Mm. Uh, the more likely I'm going to feel a little bit better yeah. about myself. Was there a moment where you got some feedback uh, that you chose the different way of actually going, cool, that's just there and this can actually be fuel to my fire rather than something that lights me on fire? Yeah. The, the thing that probably made me realise is people, obviously there's a small percentage of people that are just negative online and behind fake names and all, mm. all of that. And you, can't, you just can't do anything about it. There's no point in giving it a second thought. I've, I've never ever had anyone come up to me after a show and say you're shit. I've never had anyone, yeah. I've had hecklers say, I've had cow shit thrown at me right. at a gig, you know. Like I, literal <laughs> Off the back of a truck. What are you talking about? <laughs> where, where were you? On the back of a truck in country yeah? New South Wales. Okay. And this guy just like shoveling at us. Yeah. Um, but that, that's, that's a part of the yeah. game, you know. I've never had anyone say I hated that or it's all just that, it's all online and it doesn't matter, you know, after a time you just realize it doesn't do anything to me. It doesn't, if they're at my house and yelling at me at my front door, I would, you know, it's a different story, but. Yeah, it sounds like there's a, a sense of like, they're not in the ring with you, so why should no. you listen to them? Yeah, yeah. I've been probably really badly rejected maybe five times in my life, but yeah. they are, as soon as I think about them, yeah, yeah. they are rocking in my head. I, yeah. as, as you know, I can feel the temperature, <laughs> I can smell the roses or the lack of them in that situation. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, and we're talking about rejection, I feel like we're, we're slowly getting towards, but romantic rejection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, can I get you to jump into that now? Oh yeah, I'm, Is that okay? I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> Thanks, John. As you told me, uh, you had a story about this, so I'm uh, intrigued to hear it. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you, everyone's getting their skin in the game, so I'll tell you a personal <laughs> yeah. story of mine. So I feel like a, a, a violin or something should go off as I get into this, but no. We the, can add that in, don't worry about that. <laughs> That's not my job, but we can add that in. <laughs> so the time was, I, I was 15 years old, and 
I, I'm Italian, as now you know, <laughs> <laughs> and we're romantics and whatnot. And I was like crazy about this girl, Tammy, and my nickname for her was Tim Tam, of course. And I was at a point where I really wanted to like show my love for her. And I was really nervous because I really wanted her to be my girlfriend. Time to ask her out. And yeah. so, you know, I did what any 15-year-old boy would do and I rocked up with all my mates to the park and just Tammy there. And so there we are, <laughs> five boys, there's Tammy. It's like, what's happening here? And anyway, slowly, slowly, they all peeled off and whatnot. And it was finally my moment to ask her out. And I remember my hands are sweating. You talk about doorknobs. I was like, this, you know, sweat was dripping off me. I couldn't put words together. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go. And I'm like, could you... um just wait a sec, Tammy. I just um, <clears throat> wondering if you wanted to be my girlfriend. And she goes, yeah. And I just, I'm like, really? I'm like, are you sure about this? And you're just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the first time I'd ever asked a girl out. And anyway, I say goodbye. I walk for half an hour. I call everyone in my phone book at that time, my dad, my brother. I'm like, I got a girlfriend. I got a girlfriend. I get to my front door. I get a ping on my phone. I look at the phone and it's two paragraphs long from Tammy. And she basically went on to tell me that she felt a lot of pressure in that moment and <laughs> she doesn't want to be my girlfriend. She'd just love to be friends. And I literally shut the door, went into my room, grabbed my iPod, put, I don't know why I had the song lined up, a Sinead O'Connor on and I just stayed in there for 24 hours, crying my eyes out. out. 15, heartbreak. 15, man. And, and, and the thing was, man, what I was actually most afraid of was not, what she thought was actually what all my friends were going to think, especially yeah. after I put myself mm. out there. And yeah, it felt really like a shame that I wasn't able to do the thing that I'd seen my older brothers doing, a lot mm. of my mates doing, having girlfriends connecting. And so I actually never spoke to her again after that. I was about 13, like year eight, and I had a crush on her, huge crush on this girl, Sarah. And uh, about three or four of my good friends knew, and we we're in like science and in the roads of tables and I was up the front because I'd been in a bit of strife from the teacher and my mate James was next to me who had also been in strife and unbeknownst to me he gave, he sent a letter back to Sarah from me saying will you go out with me and I, so I'm just sitting there, no idea and then I hear her go, ah oh, Daniel and the whole class goes silent and everybody looks back at her and she goes I don't want to go out with you in front of and I oh didn't even know what, what she was referring to, I was like how do you even and she's holding the little yeah. piece of paper. So my mate, supposed friend, James, stitched me up. In, and I still, like, still makes me sick in the guts just remembering that moment. I, st I know her now mm. and we talk, and we have a laugh about it now, but God, in the moment, like, yeah. And then the worst thing is it's, it's a fodder for laughter for, off your mates forever then. Oh. Like you, uh, remember that time? Part of the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess it, it definitely thickens your skin up, but in the moment it is. And probably for week, weeks afterwards, I would have been scarred, as you would have been. Guilt versus shame. Hey, that's the mm. game, isn't it? Like, you yeah. know, obviously yeah. putting it all out there and then, you know, having yeah. to live with it, even at that yeah. young age. Yeah, and, and it's crazy, you know. There's research done that the boys, especially between eight and 10 years old, yep. realise that it's up to them to initiate romantic relationships. Yeah. And that the failure of that equal shame, I'm faulty, I'm not enough. Mm. And, and we go, why, why do we think this way? Well, James Bond gets the girl, mm -hmm. Thor gets the yeah. girl. It's what are we seeing out there in the environment that lets me know that to be 
active romantically means that I'm a man. And so that's why it's interesting when we dig deeper, it's like, yeah, I got rejected, but I feel ashamed because I don't fit in. I'm not where I should be or where society mm. is telling me to be as well. Yeah. yeah. I love, I would have loved to have like in high school, you have like a forum for your year and maybe the year below who's interested and just big whiteboard and all right, who's interested in who? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know where to send your signals if you're so, you know, it's just so it's all out in the open so you don't have to all be humiliated. There's a lot of apps out now. <laughs> we might have just... We missed our time, <laughs> didn't we? Yeah. So just for my own ego, Yo. have you ever asked a girl out and she's barred you? Oh, probably, definitely. But I... I that's not a fair know, of yes there, Joe. Well, come on. Well, you know what? I sort of like <laughs> was so um, driven to be a footballer. Mm -hmm. um, and like I just had so much of a focus that, um, didn't not like girls growing up, but I sort of, they just didn't take priority over football. Mm. <laughs> so it was like, um, yeah, life was not football or nothing, but it was probably pretty close. <laughs> sure, <laughs> it was like, I just loved it. And then that's what, that, that's where my journey was going. Did you have a, like a, a Deb ball or anything like that? You... I did, I actually made my Deb, that's a, thanks for the lead in, but I, I got asked three times. I, I did too. I thought you were going to say you took a Sharon or something. As no, your no, 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 not a Sharon. Um, but I, yeah, so I did two Debs. Um, okay. And then I said no to my girlfriend at the time for my last Deb and made my younger brother do it. So <laughs> so Joel Selwood has never been rejected. No, he, no, no, he's not true. He's been asked to do Debs. Fast forward. Just fast, <laughs> not rewind, fast forward. <laughs> let's keep going, let's keep going. just want to ask about the different uh, reflections that you have around Tim Tams, Young Love, mm. Young Love, and then the reflect uh, the rejection of being dropped in the yeah. cricket game too, and you know how you've how you've ma managed your way through that. Yeah, well, I, like the being dropped from the cricket team. I think when you dropped or, or rejected in a in a relationship or a love from a love interest, I think it's so much worse because your heart. Mm. It's your heart. Your heart is breaking in front of people where the other one, it's just more humiliation in front of your mates where there's something about when it, yeah, when it pulls on the heartstrings, I think it's just a little bit harder to overcome. And cool. like I, I had two, I have two older sisters uh, and I do remember bouncing that story off them and them telling me how it was a horrible situation and mm. giving me good advice on, you know, yeah. just... Um, that's a part of it. This happens sometimes. She, it was a bit harsh for her to do that in front of everyone. It was terrible if you mate to do that. Yeah, I, I think <sighs> linking it back, like these, these are bodily feelings. You know, my heart actually hurts when it mm. gets broken. It isn't all in my mind. Like I'm, I'm physically wounded mm. and that's that vulnerability. And I think for me, it, it comes back to what would I do again is I, I would share with those people I trust. You know, I'm hearing what you said. It's like being seen and being heard and being understood. There's so much value in that. How we fit in, you know, mm. into a situation. Um, have you ever thought that you maybe sat outside the circle? Yeah, like stand, in stand, the stand-up industry, it's pretty cutthroat. There's not many, there's not many opportunities for TV spots or, um, or the, compared to when I was a kid, there's hardly any now where you can do stand-up on a TV show in Australia. Um, so th there's a very small amount of opportunity and only a small amount of people getting those roles. So sometimes you might be up. I've been in situations where I've been in the running and then 
missed out at the last minute or, um, and it is difficult at the time, but I just think it's, you just got to tell yourself it's all a part of it. And, and as I was saying earlier, that, that does fuel you to work harder and go, well, all right, well, I'll show them that I, I can do it or yep. that sort of attitude. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've definitely had times where um, people I know have got certain things uh, and I've missed out and not really been, I've asked why I missed out, not really been given clear answers, which is frustrating, but you, yep. it's just the industry. You just got mm. to cop it on the chin and not sook about it, not go to the club and have 10 bourbons, but you know, just move on. And, hey, you know. How do you keep your confidence through that? Like, I guess we're talking about you going to a casting, yeah, it's giving sort of, it a crack, yeah. and then being told that you're not good enough. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of um, what you do have in, because you, you're really you're, you're your own boss yep. doing stand-up, so it's all up to you how hard you want to work. You could react poorly, and, and maybe if I was new, I would react poorly and just be like, stuff it, I'm not doing this next time. Or, yep. But now, knowing what I know, it does give me... It gets me going again. It sounds like that you've understood that rejection, and what we've understood on this panel, is that it's part of life. Mm. It's fuel to the fire. And feeling it is fine, but ensuring that you still put yourself out there is the most important thing. Yeah. Rather than the way you're using sukkahs more, don't shut down. Don't mm. take yourself out yeah. of the game. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because you just never know what's coming up. Like we don't know, you know. I have friends that have been doing it for 20 years and are just going through the motions, then all of a sudden get a TV gig on a very prominent TV show and they're off yeah. all of a sudden just because they were still in the game, churning away, working hard, and things happen. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a good lesson that you just, yeah, as long as you're keeping your foot down and yeah. um, things can happen. Dealing with rejection mm. and ways of coping with it, mm. you know, what, what have you learned? From the moments from when I was younger to now, like how I would, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's, I, I've learned to definitely talk about it straight away, I think. I don't think sitting on it for any, as like you were saying, if, if for any period of time is, is good. I talk to my wife and then just move on. So definitely talking, but not sitting on it. Um, yeah, surrounding yourself with people you can feel comfortable to tell that you're a bit vulnerable and you're a bit upset at that. And then, um, yeah, and then just, then just moving on, get back on the saddle and, and yeah, start writing again and, and move on. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I think that coping, you know, what I've just heard there too, it's a, it's a learning mm. in that. Um, and and I, I think of being kind to yourself, you know, like we yeah. spoke about earlier, but also the opportunity that, okay, what is it next then? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what can I do better yeah. than mm. the per next person? Yeah, yeah. How can I get back up there? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. I, I like to, when I'm feeling any difficult emotion, and I think rejection's right up there at the top, I like to follow a technique and it's called RAIN. Yep. And it's great to keep in your back pocket when we're dealing with anything quite difficult because it's really hard to move through it. And R stands for recognize it. Cool. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling shame. And just when I mean recognize it, it's like that's the emotion or that's the sensation. The next is A, A town, uh, A, and it's to allow it, to fully feel it. Not in anger in the sense to go off at somebody, but actually fully feel the rage within me or fully feel that, you know, that those heartstrings being hurt and really go into it. What's the sensation happening right now? And we speak about that learning. 
the eye comes in to inquire, what's this really about? Is it because I didn't get a show on the gala or is it because it makes me feel that I don't feel good enough mm. or it feels that I should have got that, that I deserve that and whatnot? And that's when we can start, start getting the seeds to learn from. And so we start writing down what this really is about. And then the last one, which is my favourite one, which is normally where people start, it's to nurture it. What do I got to do? What are the kind words that I can say to myself? Like, hey, dude, you put your hat in the ring. You went for that gig. Maybe it's ordering a large pizza with a large Coke and just smashing it and going, <laughs> cool, man, I feel like but I got my own back. Yeah. And then the last one, which is, again, the most important one is maybe I don't have the tools to nurture this. Who can I call? Who's that person in my corner that will literally go, I got you, bro. Yeah, nice. Mm. Jar, Daniel, thanks for joining us on Fearlessly Australian. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. It was great. Yeah. Until next time. Cheers, mate.